Welcome to the Exceptional Sales Letter Podcast with Darren Mitchell. If you're a sales letter looking to take your leadership to a whole new level, then this is the podcast for you. We'll be exploring tips, techniques, and strategies to help you take your leadership to the exceptional level and allow you to enjoy more money, more meaning, and better sales results. All right, we're live. Hello, welcome back to the Exceptional Sales Letter Podcast. Darren Mitchell here on this beautiful Tuesday, the 13th of July, 2021. Today's a very special episode. I'm so glad to have a very special guest joining me from the other side of the planet, Tanya Pluckrose. Tanya is um, Tanya is a person who I've known for a little while now. We've been connected on LinkedIn. And just as a bit of an introduction, Tanya is a much sought after thought leader and consultant in the client experience space for Fortune 2000 companies and has done that for over 21 years. Now, um, since leaving the corporate world, she's she's out doing things for herself, working with some phenomenal people, phenomenal companies around the world, and uh, fell in love with the legendary Bob Proctor's teachings, which uh, is a person I've been following for many, many years, just a phenomenal man. Uh, and it's helping her to unlock not only her talents, help her step into greatness, but she's helping do others do exactly the same thing. So uh, it's a great pleasure to welcome to the show today, Tanya Pluckrose. Hello, Tanya. How are you? G'day. <laughs> G'day. Can I just say oh, that? Hello, God. everyone. <laughs> I am an Aussie living in America, and I've got to let the audience know that I actually sought out Darren out of the blue, when I saw he was an Australian, I'm going to be honest, I was rather selfish, but I wanted to hear the Aussie accent more than anything. So I reached out. But I I also wanted to, you know, you are into sales. I love what you're up to, you know, helping companies now really up their game when it comes to, you know, increasing their profit lines and increasing robust um, well, bus, I'd say uh, sales reps that really love sales and go out and enjoy the path to an agreement, I call it, mm. as opposed to just selling. Because really selling is a mental game that's changing the world. And it's the highest profession in the world. So why are more not more salespeople millionaires? What <laughs> is going on? It's a really interesting question. And I reckon maybe we can delve into some of the reasons as to why that is not the case uh, right now, Tanya. But um, before we jump into this, uh, what's really interesting is, yes, you are an, you're an Aussie. I was going to say an ex-Aussie, but you're an Aussie, always been an Aussie. But I know you were born in South Africa. Is that right? Mm-hmm. Um, and you're now residing in Las Vegas. Now, we had a chat last week and we we're talking about the temperature differences. And we said, oh, let's just jump on a podcast and have a bit of a fireside chat because over in Melbourne, it's uh, is middle of winter. But you were telling me last week and you just said to me today that it's 109 degrees Fahrenheit where you are in Las Vegas. So for the people who can't make that conversion, that is 43 degrees <laughs> Celsius. So it's damn hot. And uh, that's truth. And where I am right now, it's a, it's a balmy 10 degrees Celsius, but the, uh, the app is telling me it feels like 4.4. <laughs> so uh, let's call this a furnace slash fireside chat. I think so. Absolutely. <laughs> a furnace. Awesome. So, Teddy, before we jump into, I guess, some key questions around sales and sales leadership, and I'd love to get your perspectives on a number of these, um, can you just give us as the, and the listeners a little bit of background uh, on, your, on you and your terms of your career and what led you to doing what you're doing right now? 
Well, what led me to doing what I'm doing right now was because of love. Let me explain. I used to work for Qantas. Oh, I love that airline. The world-renowned airline um, really was so good to me and so good to our customers when I think about it for the client experience it delivered compared to coming and flying here on American <laughs> carrier. I mean, it was, when I look back, God, even if you sat in economy, you know, going across to Perth from Sydney, you still got a Chardonnay, a free Chardonnay, a bevy. Here, yep. you got to pay for everything. And that's all you get is a liquid dinner. Otherwise, your sandwich is going to cost you a good $12. So I love Qantas. And I worked for them for 21 years. And I left on a very high note um, because I found love. I found love. And I moved here. And I moved here and clipped my wings after 21 years, after actually um, climbing the ladder of success with Qantas and ending up being their lead flight attendant, the customer service manager on their flagship aircraft at that time, which was the A380. And I left and I moved to America. And oh, I was so excited to, well, really create the American dream for myself and my husband. And so I moved here. And of course, the opposite happened. And unfortunately, after five years, I had to leave because of extenuating circumstances and start again. Mm -hmm. And I had moved here and I had discovered my calling because of a poor client experience buying a prestige car. And I thought, oh, I had a the woman. It was a woman who sold me a BMW. And I've got to tell you, it was horrible. It was this cat and mouse game. Um, it was at the BMD dealership. And every time we'd rock up, they'd disappear. And I'm like, what's going on? This cat and mouse game. I mean, we're about to spend this sort of money. Where are they? And then I only discovered later that it was a sales technique they use. They huh? make you sweat it out. They, they actually make you sit there and sweat it out until you say, give me the bloody paperwork. I'm signing away now. I just want to drive the car off the lot. And I realized, as women, we don't deserve to be treated like that. Coming from Qantas, you know, we were taught it didn't matter where you sat, you treated everyone uh, with an exceptional client experience. It yep. really did, especially our frequent flyers. Oh my God, you were gold to us, absolute priceless to us. And so moving here, I thought there's a, there's, there's a gap, there's something not right. And so I put pen to paper and I wrote a book, The Art of Selling to a Woman, because I was going to well, create a different experience for women in particular in the way they were being sold to. So I attempted to approach, attack the boys club, the boys club on those car dealership lots, you know, any, any car dealership, um, any brand, I wanted to change the way that they were selling to women. Oh, but they were having nothing to do with the Sheila. Like, nope, the boys club they knew what to well. do. They knew their sales techniques have been working for years. So if it ain't broken, why should I fix it? That's right. So go away, little lady, go somewhere else. So, of course, um, I tried to make big time here with um, helping companies sell to women. But I actually got more business in Australia while I okay. was living here than I actually made it here. Wow. So after a few years of that, um, everything sort of started to fall apart. And I realized... Ah, there's something not right going on. My marriage, unfortunately, um, failed and my business had never taken off and I couldn't understand what was going on. And then one day 
when I had left my husband, I was staying in this woman's home, the stranger's home, um, with my two Siamese cats, Sydney, Sydney, Australia. <laughs> I just thought, how the hell have I ended up here? What the? I used to yep. have my own home in Sydney. Um, I owned my own home. I had climbed the ladder of success with Qantas. I had traveled the world. I was earning phenomenal money. How? What did the American dream? Yep. What, what happened? And then an ad caught my eye and it was Bob Proctor. And Bob Proctor was putting on a teaching to do with the paradigm shift. And there was something that caught my eye about results. Mm. And he said that if you're not happy with your current results, stop looking outside yourself. Go within because your past and present thinking had created your current results. And if you wanted to create different results for your future, you had to of course, change your thinking. Yeah. And that was it. And so I fell in love with his teachings. I signed up for many of his uh, phenomenal works. And guess what? I became then a consultant, a coach. And now I help entrepreneurs and coaches, as well as I get, I would say, a sales reps very much mm. in companies now who are stuck. They are stuck because what is happening is they can't break the income ceiling. They can't break the income ceiling. They can't. They have the inability at this stage to attract the right client. They have. They struggle with the sales conversation, the path to an agreement, because mm. they are relying on a script yep. of how they've done it before. But I'm going to tell you, there's a much easier to sell. And guess what? It's about selling using the mindset. It's a far more powerful way that will create a conversion, not only a lot quicker, but guess what? You will have return business, a lot of return business, because there is an art to selling. And I've discovered it. And it begins, guess what? In the boardroom of your mind. Absolutely. So that is what I'm doing now. Love it. Love it. I just uh, I want to I want to delve into mindset. Just before we do, though, I love your perspective on this because my experience of car dealerships, particularly in Australia, is not dissimilar to that. But I've got to say, I've got a few friends in the industry who are on a, on a kind of a mission to try and change the way that car dealerships, particularly car salespeople, are are seen because they're very very uh, let's just say victimized in the in the marketplace as being charlatans, etc. Uh, some of the most successful car uh, salespeople that I know uh, and sales leaders are actually in the car dealership game. And it was interesting you're talking about the experience you had trying to buy that BMW where they're playing mm. the cat and mouse game. Mm. These guys go completely opposite and they, they create a really embracing, encouraging, um, all encapsulating client experience because they start to think about the fact that Tanya comes in to purchase a BMW chances are if we give her a great experience, there might be another BMW that she buys in four years' time. She might turn it over. She might upgrade to a, new, a different model or a better model or, or what have you. And they start to realize that, you know what, Tanya's also got a pretty good network, so there might be some others. So they start working on the lifetime value of a customer Beautiful. and they start seeing you as not just one purchase, but they see you as potentially, a, um, I guess, a catalyst for other purchases and hence they treat you completely differently. Now, so it's a completely different way of looking at sales and unfortunately, still today, not, not too many sales dealerships are having that focus, but it's slowly, slowly changing. 
And a lot of it's coming down to mindset and what their leaders are doing in terms of are they driving their sales reps to hit the monthly quota or are they playing the longer game, the what we call the infinite game, if you had listened to Simon Sinek mm-hmm. and saying, well, if, if Tanya doesn't buy a car today, if I continue to nurture that relationship, chances are she'll buy a car next month or the month after. But she might have somebody who is in the buying cycle to purchase a car this month. So, so we'll be taken care of. It's all good. So not getting fixated on, I've got to hit the target this month and this, this particular quarter, which is a really important one. Um, hey, so let's let's jump into this mindset thing because I'm, I'm okay. fascinated by this. And and if you've been listening to the podcast for a while, you know that I have made reference to Bob Proctor and I love everything mindset. And I've been following him for like 20 years myself. Phenomenal, phenomenal man. Um, it's probably a really basic question. And it, I don't mean this to be sounding basic, but how important is mindset when it comes to sales? I would say it's everything because if you don't have the right mindset and really we're setting our mind for success. If you switch that around, we're setting our mind for success. But often what happens is, is that if you have the wrong thoughts when you're going to have a sales conversation, those thoughts set up a feeling within you. And this feeling creates a vibration. And this vibration often is one of getting energy as opposed to giving energy. Mm. So your prospective client, believe it or not, they won't know what's going on, but they'll feel something's off. And the thing they're feeling is your vibration. And so if your mind is not set with the right thoughts before you get up and start the conversation, then you actually, believe it or not, you talk to your client during a path to an agreement. I call it a path to an agreement. You actually talk to your client and connect with them emotion. You want to connect with them emotionally. That's when they purchase. You can, you can connect with them emotionally first with your gestures and with your words. But you fail to remember that your thoughts, if you have the wrong thought, you have the wrong vibration that's being trans. And they can feel it on Zoom as well. Hello. They can <laughs> oh, feel can. it on Zoom. Don't think you can hide behind the screen because we're constantly transmitting our essence, really our essence to someone, right? Yeah. This, this, this is what, what um, is so important. And the other day I was speaking to an insurance agent and she's like, Tanya, I can't, I just can't remember these scripts. And I went, oh my God, can you imagine what you're sending out to prospective clients? You, your thoughts, you see, attitude is very important. Now, attitude has nothing to do with your uh, outlook. You have a, either a positive outlook or a surly outlook. No. Mm-hmm. You may have a positive outlook, but a negative mindset. And mindset means that your thoughts and feelings must all be in an alignment, including your action. When they all are in alignment, then guess what? The magic happens, yeah. right? Yeah. But if can you imagine you're on a call with someone, you're like, I hope they buy, I hope they buy, I hope they buy. Uh, I wonder how they're going to pay. I wonder how they're going to pay. Do you see credit card? Isn't that, I need the sale. I need the sale. Can you imagine? And meanwhile, <laughs> you're going, 
And meanwhile, you're going, um, oh, this sounds, oh, lovely. This is what happens. They, Your prospective clients picks this up. They can't 100%. put their finger on it, but they'll like, see you later. And there's this feeling that I think there's something about this person. I don't know what it is. I probably can't language it, but there's something that just says, you know what, not now and not this person. Yeah. Uh, and this happens all the time. And I'm, I'm, I'm big when I'm teaching sales teams and certainly when I'm working with sales leaders. I do a lot of I do a lot of work with them around their mindset, their thinking, but also being really consciously aware of their body language and how that's speaking. Because how you walk into a room, how you walk into a sales call, how you start a sales call, uh, will project onto the people you're speaking with so much compared to the words that you speak. And and you know if you've if people have been doing some research or reading research about Albert Marabi and he did a lot of work around the impact of our communication and he determined that around 93 percent of our communication is through how we speak and the body language used when we speak not so much the words i mean you've got to know what you're talking about right you so you can't have a conversation with somebody and expect to make a sale when you're just talking gibberish so you do have to have some good content mm -hmm. but too many people and i I've, I've been guilty of this myself you know i would prepare for a sales uh, conversation or a presentation and I'd spend so much time on wanting to get it right. So the point you're saying to that with that lady saying, oh, I can't remember the script, how much pressure do we put on ourselves to get it right versus thinking about, okay, what, what impression do I want to create? Do I want to leave this person I'm having a conversation with with an impression of increase to the point where mm -hmm. they feel better about themselves having had an interaction with me, which to your point leads a lot closer to the path to agreement? Yeah. And so we can't underestimate the power of what's going on inside our head, which means when we when we come up to a sales call, we've got to be we've got to be switched on because no matter what happened a moment before that, we have to be ready and project onto that particular person a positive outlook so that they have an opportunity to get the best outcome they possibly can. Absolutely. A win-win because I look at a sales conversation it's a spiritual journey it's a spiritual outing you people fail to remember that what you are seeking is also seeking you and mm. it's a it's a spiritual connection with not just one two of you it also involves infinite intelligence right because it's they they need your help yes they need their help but you have to serve first it's not about you getting, it's about you giving first, that giving energy, right? Yeah. And I feel many salespeople, the first mistake they make is they make the sales conversation about themselves first and what, what they can do. And they never sat down and first discovered what is your client want? What do they want? Yeah. And how do you discover that? You just ask questions yeah you don't and you add only a little value drip drip feed it in drip feed it in but you are constantly asking questions to guess what now listen you want to move from the conscious mind and we're going to get to that darren yeah we we get from them starting to think think stop the mental activity which you think is thinking stop mm. it and get people to think and then you create a goal, a goal for them, a want, and you create it as a goal. And the moment you can drop it into your subconscious mind, that's when they become emotionally involved. Yeah. There is such, there, it's all mindset in making a sale. And as you know, emotion 
sealed the sale. Absolutely. Absolutely. So with that, what's what's your then advice to a salesperson or maybe a sales leader who's got a team of salespeople that mm-hmm. perhaps uh, are not on target? They're maybe falling a little bit behind and they've got some challenges around mindset. If you came in and worked with a sales team right now mm-hmm. in that sort of scenario, what what practical things would you get them to do to try and get them back on track and hopefully onto a path of um, winning? <laughs> Oh, that's a great question. So what would I do? Well, we've got to look at um, paradigm. We've got to look at the, um, the a culture has a paradigm. Every person has their own paradigm. And a paradigm for the listeners, in case they don't know, is a mental program, our beliefs, ideas, that have exclusive, that really it's a mental program we're operating by that has exclusive control over our behavior. And most of our behavior is habitual. So if you've got a sales team, there is a cultural paradigm. And this paradigm is often based on what they they think they can achieve. They know already what they can achieve. But it astounds me why a team is only going up by 30% when they should be going up and actually going for a goal they know they cannot achieve. But that is when, guess what? They're not... They get out of their own way. They stop worrying about the how and they just create a goal that is seems such a stretch. But at mm. the same time, it creates this burning desire. Like what would happen if we went for that? So I, my, most, my first question would be is, are you all on the same page? Because many salespeople come with their own uh, paradigm, their own operating system, which is often... A, everyone's got their own limiting beliefs that have been programmed inside of them genetically and environmentally. Yeah. So it's important we create a, a sales goal for the, the sales team that is seems such, such a far fetch at the moment, but we ensure that the personal paradigms um, are not getting in the way for that one cultural um the the one the one sales goal everyone's going going after because if you've got some people that are like nah it's never gonna happen forget (laughs) it love right their belief system it's their can you imagine if you've got a sales team and you've got some bad apples with ah this is never gonna happen i i say those naysayers are not you think their thought energy it's, it's quite contagious, like the pandemic yeah. in a sales team, in a yeah. big sales team. It's really contagious. Yeah. But how do you fix that? Well, you can't kick them off. But then I would go and see what's in it for them and create their own personal uh, goal. Like, what would it mean to you if we did super exceed um, the, the sales goal by 70%? What would that mean to you, Um you know, maybe um, Jack or Mike, and he may say, well, that would mean I'd get a much bigger commission. So you feed into what's important to them by them going beyond, and that's the driving factor for their own personal want that helps them contribute to the the, the whole sales team's yeah. desire to go yeah. for a much bigger goal. Yeah. I think sales teams, I'm going to be honest with you, Darren, they don't stretch big enough. They go on the status quo of what they are used to. I oh, just go up another 30%. I'm like, 
nope, nope. Really go in and really understand that it you can actually program, believe it or not, that sales goal that everyone's on board with. And it begins inside the subconscious mind. I totally agree with that. And my experience in, you know, 20 years in sales, but also working with sales teams for the last five or six years, it's interesting when you look at the statistics of sales teams and where they hit their targets or close to their targets each and every year, uh, there's an average that most sales teams tend to uh, collectively hit their target um, or plus or minus five or 10% in most cases. So it's very rare that you see somebody uh, over exceed their target by half. And many, many <laughs> pessimists will say, well, if I did that anyway, Tanya, that would change the goalpost and increase my target anyway to limit my commissions. But that's another conversation entirely. Yeah. But what's but, phenomenal though, go. Yeah. Well, what's interesting you're talking about is that the paradigm has a set point culturally and environment. And a lot of people can't understand why they can't break their income ceiling. Yeah. And the reason is, is that you are operating by a, 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 it's like a rocket ship going to the to the moon. It has been programmed. There's a servo mechanism within it that's programmed to go to moon. It may course correct, but it always aims to that target. Well, if you have inside yourself, I can only earn a hundred thousand per year. Then one month you'll make seventy. Then mm-hmm. you you may make a certain amount, and then the next month you may jump then you'll drop down again. And that's what I'm hearing you say, Darren, yep. that um, the, the, the culture of a sales team has only set into the, it's like a thermostat. It's only set to 78. And so the team get used to, um, really, it may drop to 72, then they'll go up to 78 because no new figure has ever been introduced into, it, into each individual's mind for the sales team, a massive jump. Yeah. I'm going to tell you. It and when, oh, absolutely. And when that happens, the amazing things can can take place beyond people's uh, wildest imaginations. And, I, and I've seen it, albeit on very small occasions, Not, uh, not we, but we need to change the whole way we have conversations around sales. And, and my, my belief now is that sales targets are handed, typically handed down from the board and as you talk about, it's almost like the uh, what's that Maxwell? Was it Maxwell Mouse Cyber Cybernetics? Is that what the mm-hmm. the the conditioning we have when we get that target? That's almost fixed in our mind. Is how that's what we're shooting for. Well, we've got to we've got to change that and say, well, hang on a second, that's a ceiling. Take that away and think about what is the target I want to shoot for based on the things that I want to create, based on the things you're talking about there in terms of what's in it for me. Now, what's in it for me is going to be driving me, but from a psychology psychology point of view, in order to make a difference to other people's lives and to companies' lives and, and create value, we've got to be uh, looking at how we can serve. And when we serve, we will get taken care of. So that's the what's in it for me component. Um, so... From, from that perspective, uh, if we do if we do have sales leaders out there to think, okay, I've got some sales targets that right now appear to be quite challenging because of the market and all the, all the tangible, logical reasons why we could justify why we're not performing at the level we know we could be. Um, what advice would we give to a sales leader to try and change that paradigm? What are some things that we could do, whether it be thinking or is there a specific behaviors that we can put in place to help these sales leaders unlock the potential that mm-hmm. they know exists within their team, but for whatever reason, 
they might be stagnating. They might be plateauing. Well, I would say that um, what I love is have a, a professional goal for the, for the company, right, that supersedes what you've ever done before. So you actually, as I say, the subconscious mind is like a GPS. It's dying for a destination. Yep. But most people don't give it a destination. Or as you said, it's something that, they, that everyone knows Think, knows they can or thinks they can achieve, but no one's going after the big daddy. Oh no, don't go and stretch too much. Oh no. So have the big daddy there because remember, we are all engineered for success. Believe it or not, we're engineered for success. And that is why um, we're out to always survive because we're here to expand and grow no matter what. And that's why people are given more than nine lives often. <laughs> <laughs> More than cats, right? <laughs> right? With so many incidences that happen because we are engineered to not only survive but thrive. So, as a team, I would personally um, go within. And I think what you've just said is is that for starters, get a goal that you want, what you want to achieve for your for. So it may be I want to. Um, make 50,000 this month, okay? And then what you do is you get the goal very clear and then I say you create a self-image that's in alignment with that goal. A lot of people think, I just need to think of the goal all the time. Oh no, you're going to have to create another version of yourself to accomplish that goal. So let me explain. If you want to be earning 50,000 this month, more than say your 10,000 last month, you have to then, of course, look at your activity, right? And close the knowing doing gap, yep. which means you're going to have to get rid of some habits and create some new habits, right? That are initially going to be very uncomfortable, but I'm saying you don't implement all, all new habits at once, only change one or two at one time, and when they become the norm, then you implement more. I also say you have to write out a script of this new version of yourself. And this new version of yourself shows up very differently as a $50,000 a month income earner compared to someone who's only earning $10,000 a month, right? The way you carry yourself, the way you dress, the way you speak, the way you conduct sales conversations, it's a very different version to your current version. Mm. Um, and then, of course, once you start to, as I say, order suggested in, over time, you actually become a new state, a new state. And it's this new state is when you attract different clients, you have more confidence, you um you have a, ver a very different tonality you have very different gestures you carry you have an essence as i said people buy your essence and it's the mm. essence that they are going to buy because guess what you've convinced yourself subconsciously you are worth more yeah. your self-image is your opinion of yourself what you are worth what you're capable of and what you um, and who you are, and this self-image has been put inside of you genetically and environmentally, and it includes your income right now. Yeah. 
And if you want to create different results, you can't outperform your current self-image. The only thing you can do is create a new one. And with order suggestion, you become it. Yeah. Love it. So it's almost because uh, a lot of people will talk about, oh, just fake it till you make it. Now, I've never liked that that conversation. I've never liked that that phraseology. I always like to think about, okay, and correct me if I'm wrong, uh, it's almost like acting as if. So first of all, I've got to think about what is the image I've got in my mind that of the person I want to become and how do I start acting as if I'm already that person so that I can start to then build some momentum and develop some good habits, which for all intents and purposes to begin with will be very uncomfortable, as you've mm-hmm. alluded to. Mm-hmm. But the more I do that, the more I act as if I'm that type of person, the more comfortable it does become the easier it becomes to therefore have conversations that might be three weeks ago would have been really difficult. And so the results start to flow. Absolutely. Absolutely. What is happening is as you're changing, you are challenging your current programming, your paradigm, and you hit a lot of fear. And I call it the con man. It's the great trickster. It comes out and it will, it's the inner critic that, sabotages your success the moment you start to move into the land of the unfamiliar guess what it's going to cause you to want to retreat you will feel sick you'll want to throw up you'll get a migraine a rash and a lot of stuff will happen around you as you are changing your energetic field believe it or not there's chemicalization that happens where you change your system as you are changing really vibrationally right? You're changing your energy, your field of energy. So this may sound like woo-woo, but it's not. This (laughs) is now the cutting edge, ladies and gentlemen. Well, you know what, if if you had to talk to me about seven years ago about this stuff, I would have exactly said that it's woo-woo. But I can tell you based on experience, firsthand experience, that this works. This works. And it's only through the power of hindsight sometimes that I've realized that there are certain certain parts of my own career in sales and sales leadership where this was playing out, but I couldn't language it. Right. I, I couldn't language it. So my, my story is I went from a sales executive to a sales leader uh, at a time where I was in a position where there's a lot of, a lot of competition. I was probably the least uh, qualified, had the least amount of experience, but what they, what they didn't have in terms of my competition that I did have is I had been working for, for two years before I got that opportunity. And everything I did, I was doing from the perspective of a sales leader. What would a sales leader do? How would a sales mm-hmm. leader think? How would they process this piece of information? And so when the opportunity presented itself, there was literally no competition. Now, this is not an arrogant thing to say. It's purely the, the combination of the work that I'd done on myself to change my own I guess, persona Mm -hmm. to the point where when the opportunity presented itself, I was ready. I didn't have the experience, but psychologically and mentally, I was ready for that challenge. And even with that, Tanya, my first 90 days as a sales leader was incredibly challenging. It was Mm -hmm. like a fish out of water. That There were many times I wanted to go back because I thought it was going to be safer just to be back as an individual contributor. This is why I say to a lot of sales leaders that it's not for everybody. And some may make the decision to actually go back and retreat into an individual contributor role. And there's nothing wrong with that. But in order to make that transition, we do have to know that we have to change ourselves. So we have to become a different version of ourselves because there are different responsibilities and therefore accountabilities that we have as a sales leader that we didn't have as a sales executive. 
And so what you're talking about is it makes so much sense. Now, from a, from a vibration point of view or energy point of view, that's also so true because when you walk into a room, if you're feeling not good about yourself or you feel as if you're not worthy of being part of this group, you don't think that people are going to notice that? You know, people, people will actually resonate with that and they might actually have conversations or avoid you based on that. So it's, it's just so important, so important. Yeah, I'm so glad it's now, it's now coming out and it's so wonderful now because people can finally connect the dots as to why you can't connect the dots looking forward. You can only connect the dots looking back. And I'm so glad, you know, by the sounds of things, Darren, and this is what I love working with my clients. We write him or write her yep. first, and then you become him. And then throughout the day, you are constantly living your living from the future. You live from the end, not to the end. So what I mean is you're constantly making decisions. Well, what would the 50,000 version of myself say yep. about that? How would, would, I, would she vacillate or would she make a decision straight away? She'd make a decision. I have discovered that the sooner you can convince yourself you are worth millions, guess what? People will pay you. But you know where it begins? You've got to first convince your subconscious mind yep. of your worth. And it's got to begin. And that's when, and, and, and when you've convinced yourself, guess what? You can ask for the money. Oh, I oh, love asking for the money. I love <laughs> it. My favorite part, because you've convinced yourself over time that you are worth it. And that's not just with action, but you've given your subconscious mind some wonderful suggestions of who you are and what you are capable of and why you are a great catch and worth investing in and your yep. company. Yep. You have to become a product of the product. As I say, you've got to love your product so much. You, 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 it's your, you love it so much and you talk. So people buy your enthusiasm, mm. your passion. So if you're not selling the right product, get out, go and find something that you would love to sell right? And then guess what? That's half the battle, right? The rest of it you just have to work on is yourself, convince creating a new self-image about yourself. Absolutely. Now, I love your perspective on this as well, because I'm, I'm big into being really clear on who you choose to surround yourself with, right? So mm -hmm. as, we, as we are making, I guess, the transformation of, you know, getting into that 50,000 a month type of sales rep, um, how important is it to be very selective on the people that you surround yourself with? I think it's everything. More than they say, um, the five people you spend time with um, look at your income. But I'm, I go beyond that because you think you, your own paradigm is so powerful in holding you hostage. Your inner critic is so incredibly cruel to you and is so judgmental. And then what I've discovered is you tend to, if you've got a harsh critic, you tend to surround yourself with other people that are very judgmental and you cannot afford to. It's so much effort constantly being around company where there's a lot of gossip and criticism because mm. not only are you dealing with your own inner critic and the chitter chatter that's going on you're now having to listen to everyone else's limiting beliefs i often say 
that um, listen to what's coming out of people's mouths. It's their paradigm talking. It's not really them. If people could hear what they're saying, they would die. It just doesn't make sense. It's mental activity, but it's not. It's not. And then, it's, and then you go to them and say, do you realize what you just said? No, no, no. And if you played a recording back to them, you'd probably say, I didn't say that. That wasn't me. It just doesn't. So the doom and gloom does not help you build a new self-image. It actually depreciates you. Hmm. So it's so important that, well, for starters, that you do have the right company. If you can't, that's the work, ladies and gentlemen. But you can actually, uh, I often, I'm going to let you know, when I'm around even some of my family members, I was on my call to my mum last night and she's whinging. She's 87, God love her. My dad's 92. <laughs> And, you know, he's, um, he's got his moments, his, his uh, geriatric moments. And all I could say, listening to my mum, and all I, could, all I was saying is cancel, 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 Tanya, cancel. I cannot take this in. I cannot take this in. So for all of you who would like to guard your, really, your, I really believe your mindset is priceless. And so many people spend a fortune on strategy, yet they don't spend a fortune on looking after their mindset. And that is the best investment in the world. It beats Bitcoin. It beats um, cryptocurrency. Why? Because you can create anything with your mindset. Yep. Right? We just haven't yep. been taught how to use the higher faculties, which is imagination, will, intuition. We never taught that at school. But that's when you can create anything and it can be, become a reality. Whatever you can hold in your head, you can hold in your hand. Let me Absolutely. tell you. Absolutely. So, Absolutely. Um, everything's everything. So get rid of the TV, ladies and gentlemen. It's Australia <laughs> right now. I don't have a TV. I, I refuse to have a TV because my mind is, is it's, it's priceless and it is the gold mine I need, I can mine to create anything, including my own currency, yep. right? So you've got to guard it with your life. Absolutely. And from a sales leadership point of view, this is so important that as sales leaders, we have to be guarding the entrance of our mind all the time in terms of what we allow in. And because we are the walking, talking models of excellence or not, that is going to be conditioning our sales team because ultimately the results that our sales team get is a manifestation of the results that we're creating because we, we set the example, right? So there's Beautiful so much responsibility that sits within, uh, sits within the sales leadership realm. So I wanted to sort of, as we wrap up, um, we've kind of touched on this common denominator of success. Now, um, I do want to talk about this because it, it talks to the power of habit. And we are all habitual creatures. And can you just talk a little bit about uh, your perspective on this wonderful common denominator of success? Because I think it's a really, really powerful lesson for all salespeople, but also certainly sales leaders when it comes to what we do on a daily basis. Sure. So the common denominator of success is, is doing what failures don't want to do. And most people, let's be honest, successful people do what failures don't want to do. And what are they? they have, they're doing tasks every day that they don't feel like doing, but they have to do. It's so many people want to do big things in a big way. And I'm saying, no, 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 no. Do small things in a big way. 
And really, if you take care of the processes, the results will take care of themselves. So let's look at the habits everyone should be having every day, which is calling and contacting every day. Um, definitely um, making sure you're working on your negotiation skills, your persuasion skills. And then you don't need to worry so much about uh, the results because the first thing is, the thing that most salespeople hate to do and they procrastinate is that they haven't got used to the habit of calling and contacting. For me, I'm all about two sales presentations every day, no matter what. Maybe one at 10 o'clock in the morning, one at three. And then I've got to have an hour of prospecting. I have to do an hour of prospecting, right? And then another thing is I'm doing some social media every day. And if I just do that every single day, it has a compound effect eventually, right? It does have a comp, but also it builds your self-image. You actually feel really good about yourself when you're honoring your word and doing what failures don't want to do. See, most people, um, I've discovered, they, most people want to live an extraordinary life, but they're not committed to doing things every day um, that make them feel uncomfortable. And so most people are doing things, right, well, leading interesting lives, really, because they want to have a convenient life. And I'm saying, oh, if you want to live an extraordinary life, and at first it's going to feel so uncomfortable every day, is I've got to do my two sales presentations today. You know, let me tell you about Bob Proctor. He changed the world with prudential insurance hmm. and he came in in the august and he gave a talk to uh, a group of insurance agents and uh, a guy by the name of don sloven came up and said hey proctor you have you i you've never sold insurance and he went nope and he said well you've got no idea what you're talking about and he said well you're right i haven't sold insurance but i do know what i'm talking about and he said let me tell you this if each one of you could be in front of a prospect by 8 a.m every morning every single day five days a week i'm telling you your sales figures are going to go through the roof so he closed the knowing doing gap now this was in the august and bob said to this guy why don't you give yourself a goal worthy of your life? And why don't you put out that you're going to make $5 million, bring in $5 million worth of business? And he said, what? It's August. He said, well, you've got actually less time to do it, but you'll do it. And so he followed exactly what Bob told him to do. And this guy closed $5.2 million worth of sales by the December. And it took Prudential up to another level of success. And guess where it all began? In the boardroom of the mind. That's where it began. And then the action was those things that people don't want to do. Yep. But that's when the magic happens. Yeah. The consistency. Yep. And it's often, uh, it's a great story. And it, it also reminds me of the Roger Bannister story running the four-minute mile. Nobody had done it before him. But as soon as he did that, 
he broke that barrier and now everybody, well, every, well I've, I've never done it, but many people now break yeah. the four minute mile because it's now there's a new paradigm that's been set. There's a that's new it. benchmark that's, that's been it. set. That's it. So it's a phenomenal, it's a phenomenal concept. And um, we cannot underestimate the power of what sits between our ears. That, that's the thing. And there's a lot of sales leaders out there, a lot of sales teams that believe that, you know what, all I've got to do is do the basics and I'll get looked after. Well, yes, you've still got to do the habitual things. There are some uh, patterns of excellence that we need to do. But where we need to spend more of our time is is making sure that we take care of what's between those those two ears because right. that is where it's at. That's the game. But I think as a sales leader, you have to be aware of your sales team. They cherry pick. Now, in the common denominator, they cherry, you tend to cherry pick your clients that you... Um, are used to selling to and and to buck the system and stop cherry picking but go after those don't go after the big accounts stay away from the big accounts go after the small accounts because they eventually are going to be as i say the big daddy but Mm. go and nurture them they're on the way up right and the other thing it says is a lot of people tend to want to talk to people where they'll get a favorable response but for you to go towards a client which doesn't know you and initially you're not going to, that that's so uncomfortable for you, but that is where you're going to create a new habit that eventually you're going to love talking to those people who you thought would reject you, but they're the ones you're going to buy from you. I see this in multi-level marketing companies where, you know, Sharon is, or whoever, is always going after her family and they're like, get out of here. The warm market, we, we don't want to buy, we don't want to buy, you know, your shampoo and your... And the pills. Uh, and the pills and drops. And the, and the, clean, and the, and the, the, co- the colon cleanser. Get out of here. <laughs> right? But the thing is, most people think they want to be, they, everyone wants approval. And so they go to people in their warm market because they know they'll be approved. They won't be rejected. But people, are, of course, are making up stories about the people that they don't know. And they're thinking they're going to be rejected. But those are the people that want to buy from you more than anything. So leave your warm market alone. Don't worry about your dad's colon. Let him find himself. <laughs> sell your your colon tablets to someone else who who will want to buy from you right that's That's the difference that's it and i think to that point it's um (laughs) it's such an important concept to remove ourselves from the outcome right so let's reward ourselves for making progress let's give ourselves some positive reaffirmation on the things that we're doing that is moving in a positive direction but don't Mm -hmm. be so fixated on well i didn't get that result i made that phone call today i did that sales presentation but they didn't buy Okay, they may not have bought today, but what seed did you plant for maybe a purchase down the track, right? Because if you do that, then the constant practice and developing that good habit, consistency will compound, as you said, and you will get the result. It may not be that particular customer, but I guarantee you there'll be a customer that will come on board simply because you've stayed in the game and been consistent with your application. Right, and you've treated, my my thing is treat every prospective client as a $10,000 client, whether they sign up with you or not, you are treating them like gold, right? Mm. And the other thing is we've got to, people fail to realize, and I think sales companies like me to bring in, understand the universal law and the universal laws are there. They're very, very loyal. Mm. 
You just worry about the cause and the cause is giving out great stuff and the effect will take care of itself. And in fact, when it comes to results, I'm going to tell you, the more it's imperative you remain neutral Mm. because once again, the law of polarity comes in. What must go up must go down. So if you are constantly reacting to the outside world with your five senses and looking at your results, can you imagine you you are lowering your vibration. You are, have the wrong thoughts. Mm. And the more you think the wrong thoughts, the more, of course, every conversation gets harder and harder because guess what energy you're leading with? It's that grabby energy. Sign up for me. That's I it. need I'm, the sale. I'm needy. I'm desperate. <laughs> so the results then are, are, are detrimental. You've got to be neutral and just yeah. keep soothing yourself and saying it's on its way. I've created it inside the boardroom of my mind. If I can imagine it, it will come true. I just, the more neutral you can be, the sooner it's going to arrive on your doorstep. 100%. What a wonderful, wonderful spot to, uh, to finish up. So, hey, Tanya, this has been, this has been extraordinary. I love, I love having conversations with you around all things mindset and success and sales. Uh, For the people that are interested in knowing a little bit more about the great Tanya Pluckrose, where's, where's the best place they can connect with you? I think just go on LinkedIn. Um, okay. You've got my name there. Go on LinkedIn. Um, all my details are inside LinkedIn in my profile. I do have a website, and that's about art, the art of selling to a woman. But every day I am making posts inside my LinkedIn platform, or well, five days a week, about the mindset, the paradigm, the programming, the self-image. And I think the content itself, it's going to support you now to think differently and when you think differently guess what the outer changes i really want anyone out there to stop living from the outside in and start living from the inside out and that's when the magic happens absolutely hey it's been an absolute pleasure thank you so much for joining me on this uh this very special episode of the exceptional sales letter podcast it's been great Ah, to do it again thank you see ya see ya Thank you for listening to the Exceptional Sales Letter Podcast. I trust the information in this episode has been helpful in your journey towards becoming exceptional. And remember, please take the time to rate the show, subscribe to the show so other people can find it. But also, if I can help you, jump on my calendar, go to leadwithdarren.com and let's have a conversation about how I can help you along your journey to being exceptional.